0: good morning everybody today we are talking about goal setting and business planning I appreciate you all being on and being here and with goal setting and business planning I like to keep things very 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 simple all right so I, I, I know a Navy seal that a couple of years ago told me that the motto in the Navy and in the seals is keep it it's they use a kiss principle I'm sure many of you have heard of it they adapted it in, I think in the 1960s in the Navy Navy SEALs are big on using it. It's keep it simple, stupid, or keep it stupid, simple. Keep it simple, stupid. So what does that mean? It means that we tend in our business to overcomplicate things. We tend to make things way more difficult than they need to be. We tend to write out extensive, elaborate business plans. And what you've often been taught and what we were all taught over the years is that we should be doing our business planning in September, for for the next year, the upcoming year, because what we do today shows up 90 days from now, which is completely true. It's very true that the activities we do today will begin to start seeing results from that within 90 days. And the challenge for most of us when we do our business planning in September and we write out a five, six, seven, eight, 10 page business plan is we take that business plan, it gets put in a drawer and we don't look at it again until June of 2024. So what I want you to think about now is adopting some principles called from a a program called The 12 Week Year, a book called The 12 Week Year. And if you haven't read this book, it's Brian Moran. It's a really good book. I highly recommend you reading it. But read that book. And a lot of what we teach here is what we've adopted from that book. And we've been doing this now, I believe we just finished our seventh quarter or call it our seventh 12 week year with using these principles. And you start to see some amazing results. So first thing I want you to think about is this. I want you to think about throwing out the annual plan, because the annual plan, when you have a 12-month period, it seems like you have a lot of time. And what tends to happen with people is, just as I mentioned, that we, we get our business plan, we're really excited about 2024, we've got this big elaborate business plan, it gets put in a drawer, we don't look at it again. And then what happens is, let's say in January, uh, let's just make up a number, we have a goal to make $100,000, and in January, we make zero. So if you're in a 100% commission-based job and you have no closings or no sales, uh, no matter what industry you're in, you make no money in January, we can justify by saying, well, you know what? I didn't make any this month, but I still have 11 months left to hit my goal. I've got plenty of time. And then what happens is we get to June and make up a number. We're at $30,000. So we're at $30,000 in June. We're $70,000 short of our goal. And now we've made 30,000 in the first six months. We need to make 70,000 in the last six months in order to hit our goal. So we we tend to have two decisions to make or two choices to make at that time. And what they are, are we can increase our activity and do more to earn 70,000 in the next six. Or unfortunately, what most people do is they tend to make sense of a lower target they start making sense of a lower income well my goal was 100 but you know what if i hit 60 life's not bad if i hit 60 my bills are covered if i hit 60 it's it's 5 grand more than last year if i hit 60 it's only 5000 less than last year right so we tend to start making sense of a lower target and it, oftentimes that's why annual business planning and big elaborate business plans lead to failure most of the time because it's too long of a period of time to execute on your business plan. And typically we have too much stuff in our plan where there's no chance we're gonna be able to execute all of that efficiently. So what I'd like to teach and what you're gonna learn today is is essentially the Navy SEAL model of keep it simple, stupid. And it's gonna be very simple, very simple action items that you can do consistently day in and day out For the next 12 weeks because here's what we like to look at rather than focusing on my 12 week or excuse me my 12 month i want to focus on the next 12 weeks and that's all that matters to me is what am i going to accomplish in the next 12 weeks so if you look at a business if you look at the real estate business and and and, and i'm sure a lot of this is true in many industries but if you look at the real estate business specifically we know that there is a little bit of seasonality in the business. If you track your business, I'm not a big believer in seasonality of, um, to the point where it's like, well, nothing's happening in December, so I'm going to pack it in for the winter. If you've been around long enough, you know that's not true. You know that we don't believe in that uh, because you can have a fantastic month, months in the winter months. And if we look at our business, about 20% of our business should come in the first quarter. That means that if, and for easy math here, if my goal is $100,000 in 2024, all I need to worry about is how am I going to make $20,000 in the next 12 weeks of Q1? And then 30% of our business should come from Q3, 30 or Q2, excuse me, 30% of our business should come from quarter in quarter three and 20% in quarter four. So what we're doing now, let's say, you know, you've got people on this call and people listening that run big teams. Let's say you have a goal to make a million dollars or two million dollars or five million dollars in GCI, whatever it is. What this is going to allow you to do is rather than focusing on that large number, we're going to compartmentalize it, break it down into a smaller piece where now all of a sudden it's a more manageable number. I'm not worried about $100,000. I'm worried about how do I get to 20 if my goal is hundred grand sorry Try, let me so all I'm worried about now is how do I make my goal of the first quarter so I'm gonna have four goals throughout the year rather than one big goal I'm gonna have four smaller years or smaller goals so I hope that makes sense and how we're looking at this that now all of a sudden too instead of having 12 months to focus I've got 12 weeks to hit my goal so every week in the 12 week year now is essentially like a month. So if I have a bad week, it's like having a bad month in the annual business plan. So it's going to now put more pressure on myself. It's going to allow me to streamline and focus on the things I need to focus on to go out and hit my goal. So now what I want you to do, I hope that makes sense. What I want you to do now is write down a number. What is your 2024 income goal? So take a minute, write it down, think about it what is your 2024 income goal and i want you to set an income goal around something that you don't think is like oh it'll be easy to hit that or push yourself here a little bit and think about what is my goal and i want you to write that down what is my 2024 income goal go ahead and write that down and the next thing i want you to think about after you've thought about it you've written it down is this why is that income goal important to me Now, here's the cool thing. The 12-week year can be used in a lot of different facets of your life, multiple businesses, health, anything like that. We're going to today focus on income and your business. So I want you to think about the goal you just wrote down. Why is that important to you? I find that if we have a big enough why, the how becomes fairly not easy, but it becomes very clear on what we need to do to go accomplish it. And we become a person that's going to do whatever it takes, whenever it's needed, no matter what, to go accomplish that goal because it has enough importance to us to want to go make it happen. So why is that goal important to you? I want you to think about that. Typically with this, we need to figure out what they call a big why or a big vision or you know, know, the importance of why this number or this target, we're not just setting a target. Let's say you've never made a hundred thousand before and you want to make a hundred thousand. Why is that hundred thousand important to you? What is that $100,000 going to do for you? What is that $500,000 or that million dollars or that $10 million or whatever you intend to make? What is that going to do for you? So think about this. Think about you're at the end of 2024. Now you've executed your business plan throughout the year, each quarter, quarter by quarter, and you've crushed your income goal. What does that look like for your family? What have you been able to accomplish? Who have you been able to help? Maybe you've paid off debt, right? Maybe you'd have. you you'd like to travel. If you like to travel, I want you to get specific around where do you want to travel to? How do you want to travel, All right? Do you want to fly economy or do you want to fly first class, All right? Do you want to stay in a, in a budget hotel or do you want to stay in a five-star hotel? How do you like to travel? I want you to get very specific with what you want over the next year and really what you want out of your life. I find that so many people will spend more time planning a one week vacation than they will planning out their life. And if you talk to the majority of highly successful people in this world will tell you, they write their goals, they look at their goals every day, and they execute a plan and they keep it simple. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. So be thinking about now, the money is great, right? Like so, and I oftentimes hear people say, well, you don't, you need a bigger why than just money. And I find that it's difficult to have a bigger why than just money when you don't have any money. Like I, I've been in situations where I've had zero money, I've had negative bank account money actually. I've had my heat shut off, my water shut off, you know, my electric shut off. I'm going to take a shower and nothing comes on, you know, things like that. Mailbox afraid to go out to the mailbox because it's stuff full of of, uh, of debt collector bills right? Debt collector's calling you 24 seven. Like I get it. It's hard, right? That's very hard. And I understand too, it can be challenging to make money, but I think it's more challenging to live a life like that forever. I would never want to be in that spot. I was in that spot for a number of years and getting out of that spot was the best thing that ever happened to me. And it didn't get out. I didn't get out of that spot just because I was a nice guy or just because I woke up every day and kind of went through the motions. I had a plan in place and I executed on that plan to make it happen. So why is this goal important to you? is going to be very important. It's gonna be very important to realize what is this money going to do for you? How will it change your life? How will it impact? Who will you be able to help? Who will you be able to make an impact to? What will it do for your family? What good can you do by achieving your goal? And who is the person you're going to become when you become a high income earning person? So be thinking about that because I find that with this, it's very, very important. Now, what often happens too is when we establish a vision around our life, Sometimes, for some of us, we can have such a big vision that it can be like, well, I think it's impossible. We feel like, ah, oh, I'd love to have that. I'd love to travel on a private jet or own a private jet. Or I'd love to have cars. Or I'd love to be able to donate $1 million, $10 million a year to charity, whatever the number is. But it seems so far out of reach. Seems impossible. All right, for one thing, I would tell you, nothing is impossible. And two, I want you to start asking yourself, when you've established your vision and if your vision's scaring you right now of who you want to become, I want you to think about and ask yourself this question, what if it was possible? So what if it was possible to do everything you've ever wanted to do, to live the life you've always wanted to live, to live as big of a life as possible? And, and, and for everyone, that's going to be different, right? Like not everybody has to have, you know, yachts and boats and, you know, all that stuff. But whatever your life is, I want you to think about what if it was possible to live that life? And once you start thinking around that, like one of the greatest books I ever read in my early 20s was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And for the simple reason, it's a great book if you haven't read it, but for the simple reason that he said, you have to think, right? You essentially, you know, he said rich people, the difference between rich people and wealthy people is that when a problem arises or somebody says, well, you know, that's $100,000 to buy that people with a poor person mindset will say, well, that's not for me. That's not attainable. I can never have that. That's for the wealthy where people with a wealthy mindset, even though they might not be wealthy today, they start to think about, what if it was possible? How could I go make that happen? Right? And the difference between the mentality is the poor mindset shuts off their brain, and and that's the most powerful tool we have is our brain and our ability to think and process and go figure out how to get things we want to get. And when we immediately say, well, that's not for me, that's for somebody else, I could never have that. You're immediately shutting off the most powerful tool you have. And now all of a sudden it's just done gone you're not thinking about it anymore rather than thinking about what if it was possible to go achieve that and how might i make that happen and when i start talking to myself and asking myself how might i make that happen i start thinking of ideas and writing things down and starting to think of ways i can execute to go accomplish my goal and now all of a sudden my vision goes from impossible to given right when i start executing day in and day out and making things happen Now all of a sudden I start to build the confidence that I need to become that person I want to become, right? Because a lot of people too, like they want to be a million dollar or $10 million person, but they're not that person today. It takes steps. And is a process to this, the person that goes, think about lotto winners, a lottery winner goes from a lot of people go from not having any money to having millions of dollars and they go broke because they're not a million dollar person or a hundred million dollar person. They're a person that's that's a zero person essentially from, from the standpoint of a mindset, right? So so people oftentimes that just fall into a windfall of money, they're not prepared for that money and they haven't become the person to deserve that money. And that's where with this process, every day we're working to get better. We're becoming a person of, of value, of substance, a person that deserves to be our future self and who we want to be. So now all of a sudden our vision... Once we establish it goes from impossible to given. I promise you, when you have a big enough why, you can accomplish almost anything. You know, I've heard people in the past that, you know, like for me back in the day it was debt. Just to get out of debt. My big why was I want to make enough money and it was like fifty grand back then, which is kind of funny. You know, like it's it was fifty grand it was enough money to get me back on track to getting caught up on my bills and not living hand to mouth. Right. So no matter what your vision is, it's your vision. It doesn't have to be anybody else's vision. Don't let anybody else tell you, oh, that's stupid or or that's not a, you're not thinking big enough. Whatever's important to you, establish your vision and let's start thinking about now, what if it was possible? How might I get there? And now all of a sudden it starts to become given that it's something I can go achieve and attain. So what I want to do now, now that we've established our vision and we've established our income goal. And we're focusing now on throwing out the annual plan and we're going to compartmentalize this into 12 weeks. We need to figure out how are, what are our numbers? What do we need to achieve? So everybody on this call right now is in real estate sales. So let's talk about our income goal again. Take that big number that I had you write down a few minutes ago. And I want you to start thinking about now, what is your average commission? So if you've been in the business or let's say you're brand new and you haven't sold anything yet, I would use the, the average sale price in your local market. Here in St. Louis, about 300,000 seems to be right around the average sale price. So take $300,000 or take your average sale price here, I have listed on my slide here, 250, and multiply that by 3%. Now I understand listings, you might make a little bit more, buyers you might make a little bit less, you know things like that. But for easy math right now, let's just use 3%. So I want you to take your goal, and let's say for easy math your goal was $100,000. All right, I want you to take $100,000 and I want you to multiply it by 3%. That's or excuse me, not not I want you to take your average sale price, excuse me. So $300,000 by 3% is what $9,000. And I want you to write that down. I want you to write down $9,000. That is your average commission. So take whatever your average sale price. Some of you have, might have a much higher average sale price. Some of you, it may be lower. Take your average sale price, write it down, multiply it by 3%. Or if you know your average commission, write that down. You can look at, easy way to do it, look at the number amount of money you've made this year and divide that by the number of closings you've had. So write that down. And now what I want you to do is take your income goal, and let's say it was $100,000, and my divide that by your average commission. So what does that give me? Would that mean I would need 33 closings? No, my commission was nine grand, I'm sorry. So take your, I hope this is making sense So, Take your average, your income goal, divide it by your average commission. So if my goal is to make $100,000 and my average commission was $9,000, that means I need 11 closings. So I would need 11 closings. So write down your, your income goal, take your average sale price, multiply it by 3%, that's gonna give you your average commission per closing. And now take that income goal, divide it by your average commission, and that's gonna give you the number of closings you need this year in 2024 to hit your goal. So I'd be, I'm curious as you're doing this, is that number higher than you thought? Is it lower than you thought, or is it kind of right on par with where you thought you should be? I tend to—I do this with a lot of lot of real estate agents, and they oftentimes say, "Well, it's that's it. I only need to sell 11 houses to hit my goal." You know, so it can be eye-opening doing this exercise, in the sense that you're taking a big number and making it a much smaller number. Now, if we need to go close 11 homes to hit our goal, or whatever your number is. There's something we need to do next and we need to figure out now how many people we need to get to work with us and how many appointments we need to set. Because we know in this business, if you went out and met 11 people, the probability of you closing all 11 is not hundred percent. There's fallout. Things happen. People lose their jobs. People decide you list a house. They decide not to sell. So we have to account for those fallout variables. So if you know your percentage, if you've been tracking your numbers and you know how many clients you signed this year and how many you closed, use that percentage. We're going to look at that first. So if I needed nine closings to hit my goal, what I want to do is take the number of closings I have and divide it by whatever my percentage is for the number of people I, or excuse me, I need 11 closings. My math's off today. If I need 11 closings, I want to multiply that by my percentage of people that I, I get to agree to list or buy with me, and then I close. And let's just say for the purposes of this, we're going to say 80%. So 80% of the people that sign a contract with me, I end up closing. That's what we're looking at here first. So I'm going to take the number of closings I need, and I'm going to divide that by 80%. and that's going to give me 1375 we're going to call it 14 so now what I know is that if I need to close 11 homes I need to get 14 people to agree to work with me that means I need to go on and meet 14 people that have agreed to sign a document with me saying they're going to work with me Either a listing document or a buyer agency agreement now I need to figure out too we know that If in order to get 14 people to work with us, we need to go on a certain number of appointments and not everybody we meet with will decide to work with us. So I want to take, and you can see the math. You know, if you're looking at the screen, you see the math there, but I'm breaking down different numbers. But if I needed to go on 14 appointments in order to hit my $100,000 goal, or excuse me, need to get 14 people that agree to work with me, I'm going to take that 14 of the people that have agreed to work with me, and I'm going to divide that by 80%. And that's gonna give me 17 and a half appointments or call it round up and call it 18. So now all of a sudden I know that if I wanted to achieve $100,000 in income, I would need to close 11 homes in the next 12 months in 2024. In order to close 11 homes, I need to get 14 people to agree to work with me. And in order to get 14 people to agree to work with me, I need to set 18 appointments. So now all of a sudden, 18 appointments or whatever your number is, does that seem like an attainable number to you? And again, some things might be high. Like on my slide deck here, I've got 35 closings. If the goal was to close 35 homes, you would need to sign 44 people with listing or buyer contracts. And of the 44 that agreed to work with you, you would have to go meet with 55 in order to get 44 people that agree with you to close 35. That means you would have to go on an appointment a week. Now, if your income goal and your commission is the number I threw out there of 100,000 and your average commission is nine grand, you need to go on 18 appointments over the course of 52 weeks. So that's essentially what? One and a half appointments a month. If you could go on one and a half appointments a month, do you think that's doable? For a lot of people, yeah. It right? is it is very doable. And now we've taken a big number. We've taken a $100,000 income goal. We've broken it down into a smaller piece. And what's cool about this too is that if I have to go on one and a half a month, but if my goal was 18 appointments, according to the 12-week year, I need to close 18 in the course of 2024, but 20% of that needs to happen in Q1. So if I take 18 and multiply it by 20%. In Q1, I need to go on 3.6 appointments. Let's just call it four. So in the first quarter of the year, I need to go on four appointments because 20% of my business is going to happen in Q1. 30% in Q2, 30% in Q3, 20% in Q4. So now all of a sudden, I've I've taken a big number. I've broken it down into much smaller numbers And to me, they seem very attainable. Would everybody agree with that? Even if you had the numbers on my slide deck here of 55 appointments over the course of a year, could you go on one appointment a week if you were super focused on it? I feel like the answer to most people is yes. What I often find with a lot of people in sales industries in general is they don't focus on that enough. Like I often talk about when I was active selling real estate, the three things I focused on every day when I woke up was I need to sell a house today. So I need to sell a house today. And if I had nobody to sell a house to today, I had no active buyers, no active listings. The next thing was, who can I get in front of today to sell a house to? Meaning I set an appointment. So my first priority every day was I need to sell a home. Second priority was I need to get in front of somebody. And if I had no one to sell a house to that day, and I didn't set an appointment that day, the next best thing was, who did I add to my database today that will be future business for me? And when you start to put focus around that, And you start looking at that every single day how do i make a sale who can i make a sale to who can i make a sale to who can i make a sale to who can i get in front of to make a sale to who can i get in front of who can i add to my database to make a sale to in the future when you start to have focus around that your business will start to take off too many salespeople just wake up with no plan and they're kind of like well hopefully something happens today hopefully somebody calls me i don't have anything to do today so i'll just sit around but there's always something you can be doing and that's what we're going to roll into next so i hope this made sense with numbers And I hope you've got your numbers written down now. Take your income goal, take the average commission, figure out how many homes you need to sell, divide it by your percentage of fallout for people you need to meet with and people you need to get signed up. So now you should have a much more manageable number. Now what I want us to look at is, well, here we go. Here's our numbers to write down. So you can write all of those numbers down. Again, how much do you want to earn? How many signed listing or buyer contracts do you need? What's your average commission? How many closings do you need? How many appointments do you need? And how many appointments do you need per week? So now that you've got those numbers, I want you to start thinking about this. How are, how am I going to get there? So now that I have my metrics broken down and I know exactly what I need to go do in order to hit my income goal for 2024, I need to start thinking about how I'm going to get there now keep in mind my navy seal quote of keep it simple stupid all right we're going to keep this very simple we're not going to have an elaborate 10 12 page thing where it's going to sit in a drawer and we're not going to execute on it we need to keep this very simple so the one thing i want you to look at is identifying your lead sources so i want you to start looking at your business last year in 2023 and even the year before where did your business come from so we have to be able to identify a lead source and see where did the bulk of my business came, come from. Now, let's just make up a number. If you closed 20 homes in 2023 and 19 were SOI and one was internet leads and you're spending $1,000 a month on internet leads and you're spending basically zero on your SOI, is that a problem? Most likely, we're not getting the return on our investment for the internet leads, and we're putting focus in the wrong place. So if 19 of my deals came from SOI, wouldn't it be wise to put more of a plan around my sphere of influence? So I want you to look at this, and here's a a list of things I've listed out. So door knocking, and these numbers next to it are just examples, this is nothing real. But door knocking, let's say 10 houses, 10 sales came from door knocking. Calls to sphere, seven sales came from that. Agent referrals, two direct newsletters, seven sales, for sale by owners, two, open houses, five, expired listings, 14, sign calls, four, website registrations, client parties. I want to look at all of those numbers and then and see where did my business come from. And then I want to prioritize where did the most closings come from. So if the bulk of my closings came from expireds, I wouldn't want to be thinking about what can I do to enhance my expired business and go make more business, more sales from that. What I want you to do though is a lot of people don't prioritize or they're unaware of where their business comes from and they're spending time in areas that don't really serve them or that aren't giving them the greatest return for their money or their their time for that matter. So we need to be looking at this. Now, prioritize in a list. First, write down where all of your business came from. Then prioritize it in the sense of where do the most closings come from. And now what I want you to do is start putting focus on that. And I want you to start eliminating things that didn't give you a closing. Maybe you've been sending out a newsletter or farming to a farm area for two or three years. You're spending $1,000 a month and you've gotten zero closings out of it. I would say at that point, we need to do one of two things. We need to look at, obviously the one mailer a month is not working. And we're spent now $36,000 over three years on it. We've gotten zero return. We either need to kill that or we need to figure out ways to enhance that. Meaning, what could I be doing on top of that? Can I be door knocking? Can I be doing events in my in that farm area? What can I do to enhance that? If you're not ready to give up on it, what can we do to enhance that? But if you're spending that kind of money on something that's giving you a zero return, and let's say your sphere of influence is giving you a massive return and you're not doing anything there, maybe just reappropriate those funds into your SOI and start doing client events and doing doing sphere events and things like that take that same money and shift it into something else. So I want you to list everything down, I want you to prioritize and then get focused on where is your business coming from and what are your sources of business that you're going to focus on in 2024 that are going to give you the best result. Now for a new person, you might not know what to do here. So if you're brand new, I always recommend one, getting your database dialed in, sphere of influence. All right, we we offer KV Core at our brokerage network global and it's very easy to use. And I often recommend setting people up, get people in your database, minimum of 100 people, because we know 10% of our database moves every year. So if you already have 100 people in there, that's 10 transactions or 10 opportunities sitting there waiting for you. Get a minimum of 100 people in your database, get them set up on market reports where they're getting a monthly email from you. That is getting that market report sent out to them. There's a listing valuation tool as well. There are a series of other things you can be doing that we teach on with your database to be able to keep in touch, begin calling them quarterly. But the name of the game here is if you're brand new, get your database. That's the foundation of your business. And then you can begin to add separate pillars over time. So I'm curious for everybody watching live on this, where your best sources of business came from. Or after doing this exercise, were there any kind of eye-opening moment here? An eye-opening moment here? It was like, wow, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on this pillar and it's actually not giving me that great of a return. I'm spending a lot of money on this pillar and it hasn't given me the return I need. Because typically I find that with with off, we, we spend money on things. And here's the thing too, when markets are good in the sense that your business is good and things are rolling and deals are kind of just coming out of the woodwork, it's easy to spend money on stuff and not hold the money accountable. So I'm also a big proponent in our business plan to be holding our dollars accountable to make sure we're getting a return. Now, I've heard people say you need a three-to-one return, a four-to-one return, a five-to-one return, things like that. I'm good with a one-to-one return, really. If I spent $1,000 and I made $2,000, i am probably okay with that. It's better than the stock market. It's better than any investment out there. I've doubled my money. So be looking at that from a business standpoint of are we holding our money accountable? And are we cutting expenses? Now, also with this, in 2024, a lot of economic experts are saying that the market is going to become more challenging. So as a business owner, which all of you are, you need to be more than ever holding your money accountable and getting rid of expenses that aren't generating you a return. No matter how small it is, even if it's a $9.99 thing that you're not using at all, but you're like, well, maybe at some point in the future, I'll use it, just get rid of it. And if you decide to use it in the future, then you can buy it again. But making sure that you're holding your money accountable and and focusing your money on the pillars of business that are serving you. So now that we've got our list lined out here and we've prioritized it and we're putting focus now on the things we need to do, what we need to do now is write down our metrics. So as we mentioned earlier, 20% of our business comes in Q1. So if my goal was $250,000, That means all I need to focus on rather than my 250 income goal is 50 grand. I need to make 50 grand in the next 12 weeks. How am I going to get there? Well, I've identified my sources of business and where the bulk of my business came from in 2023. And and I look back maybe even a couple of years and see where the, the bulk of my business has come from. Now what I need to do is I need to identify five metrics that I'm committed to doing consistently for the next 12 weeks for Q1. These are five metrics I'm committed to doing every day, call it Monday through Friday, every working day, business day, Monday through Friday, that I'm committed to doing consistently for the next 12 weeks. So I've written some examples here. And this is what I would do if I wanted to make 250 grand. And this is actually what I did way back in the day when I first started. I had a goal of talking to 20 people a day, 100 contacts a week. It was a non-negotiable. I had to do it. 100 people every week, figure it out, call. Figure out who who do I call, figure it out, right? So be thinking about what are my sources? Well, sources of business expired for sale by owners, database, I can go do open houses, two open houses a week. Those are contacts, I'm talking to people coming into the open house, that's considered contacts. People I meet on the street, if I have a real estate, now here's the thing, I wouldn't just pass out a business card, like it's funny that people, you know, they'll do, they just pass out business cards and be like, is that a real estate? Is that an intentional conversation? I look at a contact as an intentional conversation. Did I have a two-way conversation with somebody that I talked about real estate? You know, I didn't just go blanket my card everywhere and say, "Oh, I had 100 contacts." That's not really intentional with my business. That's the shotgun approach. I want to be intentional with it. So, if I if I call somebody and they hang up on me immediately, that's not a contact. All right. Hi, this is Michael. I was calling about your home for sale. Click. It's not a contact. Two-way conversation, real estate relevant, real estate related conversations. So 100 contacts per week. I wanna talk to at least 20 people a day. And people will say, how do I do that? Who do I find? You gotta figure it out. There's more that you know people too. If you look in your cell phone right now, I promise you you have a few hundred people in there. So you got a few hundred people in there for contacts that you probably have more contacts than you think. Go on Facebook contacts can also count as text messaging and messenger if they respond so texting people sending messages on facebook if you don't have many people in your database go look at how many facebook friends you have go start looking through your facebook list and see one a lot of you probably have tons of realtors uh, but still realtors could refer business who do you know outside of the area but be thinking about it now how many people can i add to my database each week so if my goal was to add 20 people to my database, and we call these essentially opportunities, these are conversations I'm having with strangers, whether it's through an open house or a cold call or you know people I meet just randomly wherever, but how many people am I adding to my database that would be considered future business for me or opportunities in the future? So I'm gonna add 20 to my database. I'm gonna hold two open houses per week. People might say, well, how do you do that? You know, open houses are on Sundays. You can do Saturday open houses. You can do weekday open houses. You can do two open houses on a Sunday. You can do 11 to 1 and 2 to 4. All right, so there are multiple ways to get this stuff done. But the, if I'm brand new, I'm holding open houses all the time. Open houses can be a great pillar for getting face-to-face with people, which is oftentimes the hardest thing, right? And And I want to be in front of people. I did not like open houses when I did them. I wasn't that overly great at them, and I did a lot of them. I did a lot of them because I knew it's necessary and what it took to build my business out of the gate. I started in this business when I was very young. A lot of my database wasn't buying homes yet. So I had to get in front of more people that were looking to buy houses. Now, another metric I might want, and again, these are just example metrics. But I would want to put a a priority on what I would call a lagging metric as well. There There are books around this, but there are leading and lagging indicators or metrics. A leading metric would be something like an activity I'm doing to produce a result. A lagging metric would be the actual result itself. So setting an appointment a week would be a lagging metric. I want to have a blend of leading and mat- lagging metrics. My goal is to set one appointment a week. Does that setting one appointment a week get you to your goal? And that's what we have to look at here. And then let's say four social media posts per week. Business related, maybe a mix in a personal one there too. But again, some other suggested metrics would be numbers of door, uh, number of hours door knocking. Hours of script practice. Script practicing is a great way to get better on the phone and to reduce the number of people you talk to in order to set an appointment. We often talk about 2% of sales made on the first contact, or excuse me, yeah, 2% of sales are made on the first contact. So that means if I were average, right, if I were an average person at calling, or even if I was terrible at it, but I talked to enough people, I could set one to two appointments if I talked to 100 contacts. Now, if I got really good at talking to people, that number might go down to 20. It might go down to 10. Might, if I'm getting really good at expireds, I might need to talk to 7 or 8 and set an appointment rather than talking to 100 if I'm really bad at it. So script practicing can be a metric you add in here because it's a skill-based thing that's going to improve you as a real estate professional. Practicing your listing and buyer presentations. Maybe you block out an hour a week of doing that. Or maybe you practice it every day. Right? Because the better you get at listing presentations and buyer presentations, the higher your conversion rate is going to be. If you're going on 10 listing appointments right now and you're taking two, you've got a listing presentation problem. If you're going on 10 appointments and you're taking 8 you're doing really well. So be looking at that. Where are the holes in your business? Maybe you want to add in farming or add in a mailing piece to this. SOI. What type of those contacts per week can be SOI, but maybe you want something specific to it client events as well and there's a myriad of other things looking at your business that you could be doing but my my point here is that you want to look at five key metrics that you can do every single week consistently and that is the key to this is consistently every single week to keep pushing your business forward now once you identify your five key metrics a couple of things you need to look at one the metrics you've identified Do you feel that will help you accomplish your 250 goal or whatever your income goal is? Like if my goal is 250,000, I'm like, well, I'm going to talk to 10 people a week. You know, I add five to my database. I'll, I'll, you know, maybe set an appointment, but I don't really think I will. You know, I'll do some social media. Like, is that a good enough goal to get me or good enough roadmap to get me to my goal? The answer is probably no. You're going to have to take a lot of action on this. The bigger your income goals get so be thinking about that now I've got my income goal I identify my five metrics that I'm going to do consistently what are they and will these metrics get me to my goal again this is probably much simpler than a lot of people have seen in the past because one you're coming up with your own metrics and I'd be happy to look at whatever your income goal is and your metrics I'd be happy to kind of talk through that with you. So you can email me at michael at networkglobal.com. There's two T's in network, networkglobal.com. Um, happy to talk to this for anybody listening outside of uh, the live stream here. So anybody listening, happy to talk through it and set metrics, help you set metrics for this. What you're going to find though, is a couple of things. As you get going on this, what I've seen people do in the past is they, they set a goal, say, to do two open houses per week. And because the key to this, let me backtrack for a moment. The key to this is you wanna be grading yourself every week on how you're doing. So if my goal is 100 contacts per week, let's just use that one as an example, and I did 20. I did 20 contacts the first week of the year. I would get a 20% in that category. That's an F. If I took a test, I would get a 20%, that's an F. It's a fail. And then my goal is to add 20 people to my database and I didn't add any. That's a zero. All right. And then my goal is to hold two open houses. That's 50%. I did one, that's 50%. I didn't set any appointments and I did no social media. My score is somewhere, take all of those, average them up. My score is somewhere around like 20% probably, if that. So I need to be looking at this every week now. And this is the key to this, how the, to this works is having, having the metrics set and then looking at them every single week. So we like to do, it's called a weekly accountability meeting. We do this amongst the team members. Every Monday we go through people's scores and see how they did for the week. Everyone reports their numbers on Friday by five o'clock. And then on Monday we go through how they did for the week. And what tends to happen is you start to see some patterns of where are my holes, where am I thriving, and where am I not doing so well? So maybe I'm crushing my hundred contacts per week, but I'm not sending any appointments and I'm not adding anybody to my database. That's probably a scripting issue. I'm not asking for the appointment or I'm not good at closing the appointment or I'm not good at showing enough value to get them into my database to work with in the future. So it starts to uncover holes in your business as well. But what happens typically is that people will set this and they start and then they say, well, you know what, Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to, I'm going to take off the the 100 contacts per week. It's not working. It's not working. The 100 contacts per week is not producing any results for me. But let's say over they say that in week four. And over the last four weeks, they've only talked to 10 people a week. So they're getting a 10%. Don't change that metric. You don't want to change that metric unless you're hitting north of 60%. So the reason it's not working is because you're not doing it. So unless you're talking to a minimum, you're getting a 60% on each category. Don't change it. Because people will often want to change stuff up in the middle of this and say, well, it's not working but have you given it enough effort to allow it to work? So if I'm talking to at least 60 people a week and I'm not getting anything, well, I need to look at the other part, like what's going on in my conversations? Or let's say you're farming. And again, bad example, but farming, because it does take time. But let's say you've been farming for a while now and you want to continue with your farming and it's not producing any results. You know, Don't change your metric. Or if your goal was to hold two open houses, you're not holding any. You say, well, open, or you're holding one occasionally. Open houses aren't working for me. You haven't given it a fair number. So unless you're getting a 60% each week in each category, don't change it. Give it more effort to allow it time to work. The other thing is for what we see in this, and what was interesting is uh, Brian Moran wrote the the 12-week yearbook, and I got to meet with him last week, or two weeks ago now, I guess, and I spoke to him for a while at an event, and he talked about, too, like he does this for tens of thousands of people now that, that have bought into his program and they do it consistently with him. He said that people that get an 80% per week consistently tend to hit their goal. So keep that in mind as well. You're, you're going to have weeks where you don't hit your metric every week. You're going to have days when you don't feel like hitting your metrics every week. And the goal is get a minimum. Obviously, get 100%. But if you're hitting consistently week after week after week after week, after week of 80%, you will most likely achieve your goal. So I'm hoping that makes sense in what we're saying here. And and I hope it's been clear on how to establish your metrics. And if there's any confusion from anybody watching, let me know because we could talk through it more, but simple, right? Keep it simple. Income goal, five things, five metrics I'm going to consistently execute on every week to push me closer to my goal. Think about this, right? If you've written down your five metrics and you hit 100% on that every week, and you hit your income goal in Q1, and you hit your income goal in Q2, and Q3, and Q4, what does your life look like at the end of this year, at the end of 2024? How different is it? Right. How good do you feel? What have you been able to accomplish? What have you been able to help? What have you been able to do with that money you've made? Maybe, it's, maybe your goal is to make more money than you've ever made in your life. Right. And it's all possible. All right. So be thinking about your metrics... And oftentimes what I find, too, is people come out of things like this, like they go to events, they get a lot of motivation, they're excited, they're excited about the new year, we're going to see tons of the, the new year, new me posts coming up, uh, you know, end of the year in January here in a couple of weeks, and everyone's excited about the new year, thinking that just because it's a new year, they're going to become a new person. Like through osmosis, it's 2024, it's going to be my best year ever, but they're not committed to changing any of the habits to become a better version of themselves. So that's why I kind of chuckle at the new year, new me thing, because for a lot of people, it's new year, new me for the first week or two, and then that, that motivation fizzles out. And so that's where we get into motivation versus discipline. And here's what oftentimes happens is when we start establishing our goals and we set these, we start to look at now we're optimistic. And what, what this, is, this slide is directly out of the 12-week yearbook. Phase one is what we call uninformed optimism. We're optimistic about hitting our goal. We're excited about 2024, which we should be. It is. It's a new year, a new opportunity to go crush our goals and and make it the best year of our lives. And it's uninformed optimism. Right. And then what happens is as we get into this, because I promise you, as simple as we keep this business plan, it is not going to be easy. And you've heard that saying with success. It's simple, not easy. The general principles behind succeeding in any industry are very simple, and it's not easy to execute on them daily. And that's what's required. So we're going to come into this as an uninformed optimist. And then what happens is a couple of weeks in, we start to realize this is harder than I thought. You know, I had my 100 contact goal. I thought it would be simple. It's only 20 a day. But I got busy with the kids. I got busy with appointments. I got busy with inspections. I got busy with this. It's a little bit harder than I thought. I, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm really trying. But now we become a pessimist. Uninformed pessimism. Starting to doubt. And then uh, phase three is where most people quit. In the book, they call it the Valley of Despair. It's phase three. And this is the point when most people give up. Because they have two options. To keep pushing and realize that, yes, it's going to be difficult. And, yes... It's not easy. And if I hang in there and I don't quit, now all of a sudden I go to phase four, which is an informed optimist. Informed optimism. I know now what I didn't know before. I know the path is going to be tough. I know it's going to be challenging. And I know if I stick with it and I don't give up, I'm going to have success. And the people that stick with it, they tend to roll into phase five, which is success and fulfillment. Now, Any person that's at phase five has been at phase one, they've been at phase two, they've been at phase three, they've been at phase four, and they've been at phase five. So any person at phase five has gone through all four. I've never met somebody where it's just easy. They're just like, oh yeah, they just, you know, they showed up, they got into the industry, and it was just a piece of cake for them. They had challenges, even though it may appear easy for people, it's not, I promise you. They've all gone through this. Every successful person at some point in their life has had doubt. They've questioned themselves. They've asked themselves, is this for me? Should I be doing this? Maybe I should go do something else. This is hard. Maybe maybe this isn't for me. You know, Maybe I should go get a quote unquote real job. All right? I'm sure you've heard that before. Has anybody ever heard that? Or has anybody ever told them that? I've had people tell me that in the past. Like, hey man, you might want to think about giving up. It's probably time to go get a real job. You know, Don't listen to those people. They're, your vision that you've set for yourself is not their vision. They can't see your vision. They don't see where you're going. They don't need to see your vision and see where you're going. Only you do. And that's all that matters is where are you headed? Where are you going? And the biggest thing though is are you executing on your plan every day? Because it's one thing to have goals and dreams and big vision. But if you don't have the plan in place or the discipline to do it day in and day out, especially on the days when you don't feel like doing it. And that's the biggest test I think for most people is that did you do what was required on the days you didn't feel like it? Because it's easy to feel motivated when everything's going well. All right, you wake up. Life's good. You had a great day. You closed a house yesterday. You made some money. You got money in the bank account. It's easy to feel motivated. Right? It's easy to feel good when things are going well. What about those days when things are going wrong? Three deals just died. You're all excited. You're going to have the best month ever. Three, four deals just fell out and died. Just got a debt collector bill in the mail. You know, Five grand. Right? Like You have debt collectors blowing up your phone. You've got your electric yard shut off. You have no money in your bank account. It's a lot more difficult to stay motivated. I think everybody would agree with that. And that's when the motivation does not last, but the discipline does. And we have to be disciplined and know that if I continue to show up every single day and do what I'm supposed to do, at some point, I will become successful and I will get to phase five because the only difference between people at phase five and everybody else is that at phase three, when they were all there, they decided not to quit and they decided to keep pushing to phase four, and then ultimately to phase five. It's the only difference. And typically what I see in sales roles too is that people will quit when things get tough. They get into that valley of despair and they, they, get, they quit and they go to another sales role somewhere else. Different company, selling a different product. And to be honest, they take all of the same challenges and problems with them. They take everything they had here in the, in the real estate industry and they get it somewhere else because sales is sales. It's people. You've got to talk to enough people. You've got to get in front of enough people. You have to have enough value to show people why they should work with you over somebody else. And so the people at phase three that quit, they're essentially restarting in another industry and they restart over and over and over and over again because they never pushed through when things got tough. They took the path of least resistance and said, well, it's hard. And I understand it's hard. Like I was right there ready to quit multiple times. Right? I get it. I, I get this will be one of the hardest things you'll ever do is building a business in real estate. It really is. People don't understand outside of the industry all that you do as realtors. There's a lot going on. There's a lot more to it than just showing a house and, and selling a house. All right? It is a difficult industry. And it's one that you can make a great living on and impact a lot of lives and help a lot of people and and inflict a lot of change and live a great life from it if you stick to it. So keep that in mind. As you get this going, we've got Q1 kicking off here in just a couple of weeks. We're going to focus on our 12 week year. We're not worried about our year. Take our goal, 20% of our goal, our income goal is what I need to accomplish in the first 12 weeks. Am I committed to hitting my metrics every single week? Or am I going to make excuses and say, well, this popped up or that popped up, or this is why I couldn't do it. Right? What is our commitment level to our goal? How important is our goal to us? And here's the thing, just make up a number. If your goal is a million dollars, but it's not really that important to you. And if you made a hundred, you'd be ecstatic. Go with the hundred, right? Like go, go with the goal. That's important to you. Don't just go with a goal. That sounds good because I've seen that at a lot of business plan too. People throw out these, these crazy numbers. And they do it just to get some applause and get people to feel good, like, oh, my God, you're great. But they don't really have a plan or they don't really have the conviction to accomplish that goal. They just wanted to say it to get some, some likes and some applause and feel good about themselves in the moment. Set the goal that you feel you can accomplish that's important to you. Now, I would often, oftentimes say, too, with your goal is don't make it small to where you're like, oh, that's going to be easy. I can hit that. I mean, set a goal that's important to you, but know why it's important to you and, and make it a little bit challenging. But remember, as you're going through this, like it says here, push through success. You've got to push through when things get tough and you're down there and you're feeling down and you're questioning yourself and you're wondering why I'm doing this. Go back to your vision of who you want to be, who you want to become, who that person is that you're trying to get to in 2024, because in my opinion, there's nothing worse than being the same person year after year after year after year. I often use this example. Think about if you had a child and he had to repeat seventh grade like five or six times, what would you tell people? Would you be proud to be like, yeah, my kid, he's in his eighth year, seventh grade. Yeah, right? Like not good, right? Oftentimes in our lives though, once we finish our formal education, we stop doing things to improve ourselves. We make sense of our income. We make sense of our job. We make sense of I'm this person. This is who I am. And I'm going to repeat the same year over every year for the next 20, 30, 40 years of my life until I pass away. Is that growth? No. Who am I becoming this year? Who am I going to become? I want to be a different person December, whatever date we're on here, 20th of 2024 than I am December 20th of 2023. Will my goals allow me to become a different person? Because I promise you, the person you are today, you need to become a different person if you're looking to achieve more in your life. If you want more, you want to earn more, you want to impact more lives, you got to become a different person. So part of your 12-week your year, too, could be your personal growth plan. You could do a 12-week uh, year around personal growth. We just kind of established one for business. You could do this around personal growth. What are you reading this year? What are you listening to? Who are you studying? Who are you following? Right, who are you hanging around? Because that's going to make an impact too. Have you ever been around, do you have a group of friends where like you're the wealthy one and when you go to dinner, like they just expect you to pay? You know, Anybody been around that? Like, is that a good group of people to be around? Where it's just like, you're the person, right? And they're like, oh, he'll pick it up. He's got money. Go get around people where they're fighting to pay the check. Everyone's like, no, I got the check. No, nope, I'm going to cover it. No, nope, I want it. Here, give it to me. Pass it down here. Like that's a different circle, right? Different circle of people, different mindset, different thinkers. So who can you get around this year that thinks differently, that maybe thinks abundantly like you do, that can help you go accomplish your goal, right? We get around people that think differently and you have a different circle of friends. And here's the thing. I often hear people say, well, you got to, you know, when you're the average of the five people you hang around, which I totally think is true. And they say, you need to cut people out of your life. I don't believe in that unless that person you're trying to cut out of your life is extremely negative and a drain on you. Like you can still have friends. Like I have a lot of friends from high school that I hang out with. That we don't talk about business. I just like hanging out with them. They're fun. You know, we talk about life and sports and stuff like that. And it's fun, right? So like, I don't need to cut those people out of my life because they don't have the same vision as me. And I also don't need to go in there and like be talking about, why aren't you doing more? Why don't you get passive income? Why don't you do like, that's not what they want. If they wanted it, they would ask. But I enjoy hanging out with them. So I don't need to cut those people out of my life. And in order to go achieve my goals, I need to be around people that are thinking bigger, that are doing more than me, that can help me think a little bit bigger and more creatively and figure out a path to get to where I want to go. So that's why I go to like mastermind groups and I pay to be in groups to be, you know, talking to people that are thinking bigger. So be thinking about that as well. I went a little bit off subject there, but I think it's important to recognize who are we hanging out with and who is the person I want to become in 2024? Because I don't want to be the same person that I am today. If every year I'm getting a little bit better, imagine compounded over five years, that person you become over 10 years, over 20 years, over your career. You can have a fantastic career and become a person of, of extreme substance and value that people admire, look up to. Think about from your family too. You can leave a legacy. You can leave generational wealth to your family by building a massive real estate business. So I just say that because I show you what's possible and know that as you get started on this journey and you're tracking your numbers every week, it's not going to be easy. And you're going to have plenty of times when you feel like quitting some people might be listening to this today and they feel like quitting right now and what i would challenge you to do is rather than quitting give it three more months do this process line it out start executing on it give it three more months before you quit give it everything you got for the next 90 days and execute your plan before you decide to quit give it everything you've got and i promise you at the end of 90 days when we're looking at march because we're gonna do this every quarter because we have to reset our goals and see where we're at. But I promise you at the end of that, if you really do this and you execute on it every single week consistently, you're not gonna wanna quit anymore. You're actually gonna be enjoying life. Things are gonna be good. You're gonna be making more money. You're gonna be getting out of debt. You're gonna be doing the things you want to do. So hope that was helpful. Um, Thank you everyone for being on. If you have questions again, give me a call or email me at michael at networkglobal.com. And that's all we got for today. Thanks so much, everybody.